0: Welcome to the Love Environmental North Justice. Welcome to the Environmental Justice Report with me, Janine Moloff. I'm your host. Um, well, this week has really been kind of interesting. Tonight we're going to be talking about a couple different things, namely something called blue hydrogen, as well as carbon capture and sequestration. Don't worry, I'll explain it in plain terms. So. You'll notice the title on the advert is Blue Hydrogen and Other Schemes versus the IPCC Report. The IPCC is basically the the governing body um, throughout the world that reports on how our climate is doing with all this, you know, global warming, all this climate change. And, you know, I would be the first to say I think we need to stop using the term global warming, even though it may be scientifically correct, because the average person it just doesn't get through to them. We need to really say what it is, which is global climate devastation, because that's what it is. So now that the bipartisan infrastructure bill has passed the Senate, it's let back to the House. Now this bipartisan scheme, and it is a scheme, brags about its green credentials and features something called blue hydrogen. Not to be confused with Blue Lagoon, the old movie from the late 70s. Unfortunately, a new study published by Energy Science by the journal Energy Science and Engineering discovered that the carbon footprint of blue hydrogen is heavier than previous fossil fuels. This is going to be discussed in the context of the latest IPCC report, which states that we may have crossed the threshold beyond which recovery is possible. In short, this isn't the time to play the game of environmental incrementalism, um, which is what the corporate class once, but that's, and that's exactly what we're receiving in this bipartisan scheme. So we're going to be talking, calling this out as greenwashing, and let's end this greenwashing. So basically the latest IPCC report leaked out, it described basically a climate end time. In fact, they they called it uh, basically uh, code red for the planet. And it's going to be a climate end times if we don't change our ways and drastically as of, you know, yesterday. Groups such as Extinction Rebellion are gearing up for further protests and the COPS meeting in Scotland is coming up. Now, the Biden administration and their corporate Democratic allies, as well as some corporate Republicans – well, that's kind of synonymous corporate Republican anyway – So the Biden administration and their corporate Democratic allies, as well as the Republicans, have loaded the alleged bipartisan infrastructure bill with more fossil fuel subsidies, all properly greenwashed for the corporate media. Unproven and undeveloped or underdeveloped technologies, such as carbon capture and sequestration and blue hydrogen are touted as our energy savior. But these are lies. So today I'm going to discuss a few of those cleverly crafted half-truths, omitted facts, and just plain old-fashioned, I'll call it out, pug ugly lies. Now, the first lie of omission has to do with the unfinished, underdeveloped technology politicians just love to trot out, carbon capture and sequestration. And it isn't just Biden, okay? Um, the Republicans were talking about, Barack Obama was, and, and it's, again, it's underdeveloped, but we'll talk about it in a bit. The second lie of omission is a whole lot shinier. It speaks about blue hydrogen, all wrapped up in a beautiful shiny package and a bright blue bow. But again, it's a lie of omission. Now, both parties have signed off on this garbage, and both parties would make Pinocchio proud. So now, the greenwashing mythology surrounding carbon capture and sequestration. Uh, there, So, basically, before we get into that, I'm going to talk about what the United Nations said. So, this is an article from a – so, we're going to backtrack a little bit, and I apologize. So, this is an article um, <clears throat> earlier in the month from a publication called Recharge, and it's on the IPCC report and the urgency to push honest science instead of corporate pro- profits. And it's written by Andrew Lee. Um, so getting into this, so the head of the United Nations called the IPC, IPCC report, quote, code red for humanity. And the renewable sector, you know, has said we have to have a deeper, much faster energy transition that really has to be the top global priority or this planet's not going to make it. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres uh, explains the latest analysis by the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, quote, must sound a death knell for coal and fossil fuels before they destroy our planet. Countries should also, all, should also end all new fossil fuel exploration and production and shift fossil fuel subsidies into renewable energy. Guterres went on to say, quote, the alarm bells are deafening and the evidence is irrefutable. Greenhouse gas emissions from fossil fuel burning and deforestation are choking our planet and putting billions of people at immediate risk. So, now Guterres, his comments came as the IPCC issued its darkest warning that, as they said, it's code red for humanity, the catastrophic impacts of global heating, already seen around the world uh, with only, quote, immediate, strong, and large-scale emissions cuts able to keep warming within 1.5 degrees. And we're seeing it all over the world. We're seeing the flooding. We're seeing the mudslides. We're seeing uh, drought sparking these constant wildfires in California, far beyond what we normally would see. It's affecting people in the uh, poorer southern ends of the planet, but it's going to eventually affect all of us. Um, and the IPCC also explained that some of the effects that we're, we're seeing right now are already irreversible. And this is based on the work of thousands of experts. It, the IPCC report is considered one of the most, the most comprehensive analysis yet of climate change. And this is right in the cusp of the cop 26 global summit in Glasgow, which is going to be coming up. Now Guterres from the UN also said, quote, by 2030, solar and wind capacity should quadruple and renewable energy investments should triple to maintain a net zero trajectory by mid-century. If we combine forces now, we can avert climate catastrophe. But as today's report makes clear, there is no time for delay and no room for excuses. I count on government leaders and all stakeholders to ensure COP26 is a success, end quote. Um, And it's very true. Uh, Do I have faith that the COP26 uh, conference is going to get anything done? No. I believe that corporate forces will control everything. They will greenwash some of these these shiny packages claim, like Blue Hydrogen claiming it's going to protect us. It's not. It's a scam. So we also know, um, let's see, so the Director General of the Interne- International Renewable Energy Agency, uh, somebody named Francesco La Camara, was also quoted as saying, quote, choices we make today will have a far-reaching impact. Only an energy transition grounded in renewable and efficient technologies gives us a realistic option for a climate-safe world, quote. Now, there was an industry group called Wind Europe, and they said the IPC study, IPCC study is a, quote, saddening read. Um, and the analysis from the IPCC uh, comes after calls by the International Energy Agency, or IEA, to end all new fossil fuel projects. And that was in light of an analysis that suggests that power sector emissions will actually rise to record levels in 22, in spite of the fact that massive renewable energy growth um, may occur because Asian economies, among us, us in the West as well, are expanding their coal fleets. So that's what we're dealing with, Code Red for Humanity. So let's look at some of these. The solutions touted by the Biden administration, keep in mind, carbon capture was also touted by the the Obama administration as well. From Inside Climate News, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner. The alleged solutions coming from corporate fossil fuel and their political buddies. So the headline, this is a really phenomenal article by Nicholas Kuznets and it, is, it went into Insight Climate News. PestNets is a reporter there. Before joining ICN, he worked at the Center for Public Integrity, which does phenomenal reports, and ProPublica. So let's go on. The headline is, Fossil fuel companies are quietly scoring big money for their preferred climate solution, carbon capture and storage. So the industry has been pushing through these policies. So this was published uh, just a few days ago. So over the past year, energy companies, as well as electric utilities, and other sectors in the industrial uh, arena have been pushing, but secretly pushing, um, a bunch of policies to support technology that will earn them billions of dollars. Okay, the corporate polluters will make out like bandits, but it won't do hardly anything to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And this is a crime against all of us. So let's name the questionable technologies which have been fast-tracked in secret. So these are the policies that have been fast-tracked. Billions have been allocated in federal funding for research and development uh, regarding carbon capture and storage. I call it sequestration, carbon capture and storage, or CCS. And what it does, the theory is carbon capture and storage, it pulls carbon dioxide out of smokestacks or directly from the air before storing it underground. Now, I don't know why these people always think the answer to everything is storing it underground, but they do. Now, how the bipartisan infrastructure plan fits into this and serves the purpose of dirty energy. Because with the the help of chronically dirty politicians in both parties, okay, this bipartisan infrastructure plan includes more than 12 billion in direct support for carbon capture. Now, this—the 12 billion—the 12 billion, uh, uh, the $12 billion um, figure came straight from the newsroom, a press release from Senator Manchin's own website. Okay, and this is—you have to remember something. This is the reason why those GOP senators voted for this bipartisan infrastructure bill because they knew that dirty energy, big fossil fuel, was going to be able to earn boatloads of money. So, of course, they said, sure, we'll do it. And carbon capture, this could unlock billions more through other programs, according to recent drafts that have leaked out about the legislation. Okay? So this bipartisan infrastructure bill has included more than $12 billion, with a B, in direct support for carbon capture. Again, that's from Joe Manchin's own website. Now, environmental advocates are screaming foul, and they're saying that you should spend money on proven technologies like wind and solar. But, and it does get some money in the bill, not anywhere near as much. So there's a quote from Josh Axelrod, who's the senior advocate at the National, um, at the NRDC or the National excuse me, uh, National Resources Defense Council. Nas- Natural Resources Defense Council. Sorry people. Here's Axelrod, quote, we know today that renewable energy is ready to be deployed. It works. It helps decarbonize the energy sector. On the flip side, carbon capture has a mixed record, is not widely deployed anywhere, and if it holds promise, it holds promise in the next decade or the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, end quote. Except based on the IPCC, you know, Code Red for Humanity report, basically, we don't have 20, 30, or 40 years to get this done. And don't be fooled by the reconciliation bill according to this article either because it could have even more subsidies not only for fossil fuel but also for car- for carbon capture in it. So now they're looking at that re- reconciliation bill which again could provide more support for carbon capture as part of the reconciliation bill. Now industry lobbyists are pushing to expand an existing tax credit for technology has that, that has already been given hundreds of millions of dollars to oil companies and that is you know that's from google.com the stored document folks this this is just an increase in the already 90 year old subsidies that the fossil fuel industry has been receiving and it's a boondoggle so they're going to keep their 90 year old subsidies for fossil fuel and then they're going to get more money for carbon capture and storage which Carbon capture hasn't even been fully developed yet. The full technology in such a large, in, applied in such a large scale doesn't exist. I mean, carbon capture does exist in very small instances, but they have, not been, they have not proven a way to take that theory and use it for such a, on a large scale. That technology that would allow them to use on such a large scale does not exist. But Biden and the Senate Dems are fine with it. Now, the budget legislation is also expected to include a program that would force utilities to lower emissions, but it could also provide additional funding to fossil fuel power plants that are fitted with, guess what, carbon capture technology. There are some people that support carbon capture. Okay. Axel Rod from the NRDC said it could help reduce emissions for some industrial processes, like in the manufacturing of cement. But way too many scientists and policy experts said that, you know, this might be needed to to remove carbon dioxide, CO2 from the air decades from now, all right, not now. So Simon Nicholson, who's the co-director of the Institute for Carbon Removal Law and Policy at American University, also commented. And he said that if government support for carbon capture and storage is used to help test direct, what they're calling direct air capture, which is something that could help, then, quote, it's a near-term investment that might have long-term positive implications. That nuance is hard to convey. Quote, it's going to be a bit of a political and commercial scramble for funds here because the oil and gas companies, the electricity companies, are going to want the money to go towards traditional CCS, which is attached The smokestacks. Let me back up a little bit. There is something called in carbon capture technology called direct air cap, direct air capture. This could help, but once again, big fossil fuel doesn't want it because they want the thing that they already know and it's not going to cost them as much. And there's environmentalists saying that's exactly what's happening. Um, Some environmentalists are arguing that the money that is being appropriated by Congress is probably going to allow polluting power plants and petrochemical facilities to keep operating longer in the future, but do very little, if anything, to reduce our, you know, our emissions. And that's what we have to do. And they also said that even if the technology can cut carbon pollution from, like, petrochemical plants or refineries, that that, that particular technology will not address other toxic chemicals that those operations send into communities that are in those that are nearby the petrochemical plants and the refineries. And most of those those petrochemical plants and refineries are housed if you will right next to communities of color. So there's the environmental racism component right there. And again, it's not going to do much to cut our carbon emissions. And carbon capture won't address the other toxic chemicals the petrochemical plants and refineries routinely dump into the air and water in the communities where you find these, these factories, these, these uh, refineries, which again have, just happen to be where communities of color also reside. The advocates also argue that electrifying industry and reducing the use of plastics and petrochemicals would be actually cheaper and much safer. But there's no shock to know that the most powerful forces that are pushing carbon capture are, guess who? Fossil fuel industry. And that should make everybody mad as hell. Now, big fossil fuel has promoted carbon capture storage for decades now, but only recently they've really increased their lobbying for this technology. In fact, after launching a new business line, explained that they're going to use carbon capture technology, ExxonMobil in April proposed a 100 billion mega project in Houston, according to Reuters. And that would capture emissions from uh, that region's industry and store it underground. But there's something that you didn't figure. There's a catch. ExxonMobil said, unsurprisingly, that it would need quite a bit of government funding to move forward. Why in the world should the taxpayers pay to clean up the mess caused by big oil, by big fossil fuel? We shouldn't. Now, we can go on with this, but let's move on, all right? Um, So carbon capture is just kind of the new kid on the block. It's considered so great it isn't. Now, to give you a little more, but it's politically very, I guess, tempting, all right? Um, keep in mind, as, they're, as the politicians are pushing carbon capture, the cost of wind and solar is going down, which really kind of just erases the need for petrochemical anything. I mean, we could all just eventually switch to wind and solar, but... You know, again, fossil fuels been suck- the fossil fuel industry's been sucking at the taxpayers' tits for way too long. So, um, the federal government has poured billions of dollars into carbon capture uh, projects that, get this, were never completed. In fact, the only commercial power plant in the country that's using carbon capture and storage. They shut down last year during the pandemic and then announced that they would suspend operations indefinitely, um, but other companies are going to try. And you know, basically we have, let me see now, I lost my place here, folks. Sorry about that. So one of the advocates, okay, Simon Nicholson, as I said before, the co-director of the Institute for Carbon Removal Law and policy at American University uh, also explained very simply that, um, quote, CCS, carbon capture and storage for power plants, is something of a boondoggle, okay? Um, and, And it is, because, again, there's not a single power plant that's using it. The one power plant that was using it shut down. So guess what? The bipartisan infrastructure bill provides $3.5 billion, with a B, to direct air capture technology, but many environmental advocates warn that much of the rest of the money in the infrastructure bill is likely to go forward toward expanding some of the more problematic uses of the technology. Okay, There are about a dozen carbon capture plants in the United States. Now, when I said there was only one before, that was an actual... Power plant. Okay, these are carbon capture plants, and they're mainly attached to natural gas processing, ethanol, or fertilizer plants. So I want to make that clear. You know, there are no power plants using carbon capture. There was one, and it shut down. But there are about a dozen carbon capture plants in the U.S. that are attached to, as I said before, natural gas processing, ethanol, and fertilizer plants, and they produce emissions that are very high in carbon dioxide and, you know, relatively cheap to capture, but the majority of the captured CO2 is then sold to oil companies. So this really, it doesn't make sense, does it? But these carbon capture plants, they produce emissions that are high in carbon dioxide, and then they're cheap to capture because you just kind of go for it the majority of the captured CO2 is sold to oil companies who then pump the gas into depleted oil reservoirs to squeeze squeeze more petroleum out of the ground. So in short, the gas serves as a tool to produce more oil that otherwise would be left underground. So this is what's happening right here. Um, And it gets worse. Now, Exxon's received quite a bit, and other companies have received millions of dollars, too. In fact, there was a, t- a carbon capture and storage tax credit created in 08 and then expanded in 18. So it started with the Obama administration and continued through the Trump administration. Now, during that same time period, Exxon led a lobbying campaign to get this, to, quote, to strip the requirement that the Environmental Protection Agency oversee the operations of companies They claim the credit to ensure the greenhouse gas is not escaping into the atmosphere, end quote. So basically, Exxon didn't want the EPA to check to see that they're doing what they said what they were doing. So basically, why are we providing Exxon with a blank check and no accountability? These senators on this bipartisan committee, they love harping about bipartisanship. You know what? I could care... Less about bipartisanship. I'm concerned about transparency and accountability. You know, that would be like an individual taxpayer telling the IRS, I'm taking this big deduction, but I don't want you checking to see that I really am telling the truth. Just trust me. Nonsense. So energy and industrial companies are also pushing um, pushing lawmakers to take advantage of the reconciliation bill, bill to expand the tax credit increase the amount of money companies claim for the carbon capture technology. In December, due to lobbying from the fossil fuel industry, Congress did extend how long companies could claim that credit, and that was part of the omnibus bill uh, omnib- that was part of the omnibus budget bill as documented by carboncapturecoalition.org. So Jim Walsh, who's a senior energy policy analyst at Food and Water Watch, an environmental group, said, quote, the last thing that U.S. taxpayers should be doing is subsidizing fossil fuels, especially subsidizing drilling for oil, end quote. Amen, brother. But there's a new interdependency, according to this article, you know, on Inside Climate News. So the omnibus bill that was passed in December, as well as the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was just passed in the Senate, also has quite a few other measures that support carbon capture technology. And you know that Joe Manchin's paw prints are all over it. I should have said fingerprints, but I meant paw prints because he is just a low-down pig, in my, point, in my opinion. But anyway, Joe Manchin's paw prints are all over this. Uh, so the other measures that would support carbon capture technology that are in the bipartisan infrastructure bill, as well as the omnibus bill, it's one, fast-tracked environmental reviews. Environmental reviews should be thorough, they should be exact, and they should be public, held fully accountable. They should not be fast-tracked, because when you want to get something done fast, that means you don't want to do it well or do it properly. The other things that are in the bill, billions of dollars for demonstration products and loan guarantees and billions more to fund projects that make hydrogen from natural gas with carbon capturing equipment. This is where the hydrogen comes into play. There's a section of the infrastructure bill that really gives some encouragement to states to quote, waive property taxes for carbon capture projects for at least 10 years. Okay, so we live in a country right now where Our schools are funded by property taxes, and our schools are having enough problems, but in the infrastructure bill, they want to waive property taxes for these carbon capture projects that are being funded by the taxpayer, by subsidies from the taxpayer that are allowing big fossil fuel to profit even more and give us even less. How's that bipartisanship working for you, huh? In case I'm being too obtuse, that's extreme sarcasm. So, again, we're going back to Mr. Axelrod of the National Resources Defense Council. He said that these these particular um, points that I just mentioned are really the latest in a series of uh, policies that the fossil fuel industry has won. To quote Axelrod, quote, what happened over the course of a decade of legislation and all these little individual pieces and policy mechanisms have been passed into law that basically subsidizes industry. And the industry in this case is pretty overwhelmingly the fossil fuel industry, end quote. Now other provisions in that bipartisan infrastructure bill, the taxpayers are going to pour billions into building carbon dioxide pipelines and more money into funding research that would make plastics and other products out of the gas. Because that's what we need, more plastics. Again, sarcasm. Walsh explained the funding could make it harder to save out fossil fuels because it would create new jobs and economies that depend on these polluting industries. To quote Walsh, quote, it's creating this new interdependency on fossil fuels, end quote. A lot of environmentalists, environmentalists also warn that, let's say carbon capture and storage actually works. It doesn't address the other damage caused by industry its products, okay? And this is a key point, all right? There's other toxics and dangerous compounds that the fossil fuel industry pours into our air and our water. Now, you have to understand that this is kind of akin to Oh, God. Um, I would compare it to a severe diabetic taking their heavy dose of insulin before eating nothing but sugar and carbs. Eventually, the patient will die, probably sooner than later. Now, Kendall Dix is the policy lead at the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy, and that's a climate justice-focused nonprofit. Explain, quote, what we're talking about is essentially allowing environmental injustice to continue and in fact doubling down on it because a lot of those toxins coming from these petrochemical uh, refineries that are situated in communities of color will just hurt communities of color even more and he included gulf coast communities <clears throat> that are presently facing unacceptable levels of toxic pollution from those petrochemical plants and they're, they'll keep operating because they'll say well we have carbon capture so We've taken care of things, but they haven't. To go on further, uh, Mr. Nicholson, once again, from the Institute for Carbon Removal Law and Policy, said that environmentalist concerns and worries are very real. Um, But he said that that doesn't mean government can't fund research that would help remove carbon dioxide from the years in the future. To quote him, said, quote, it's a little tricky trying to treat it as a zero-sum game. Um, How this money is going to be spent will really matter. Now let's talk about blue hydrogen. We talked about carbon capture. Uh, It's a lot to fit in, and I apologize. So um, there was a study published. This is from Common Dreams. This is the newest greenwashing straight from the A-list popular kids, blue hydrogen okay um this is written by janna mcguire excuse me the headline is study warns blue hydrogen funded in bipartisan plan more polluting than coal so we know the bipartisan infrastructure bill has billions of dollars in funding not only towards carbon capture but also towards this thing called blue hydrogen and there was some new research published at Cornell University um, and it was one of the um, one of the major re- uh, researchers was a professor Robert Howard and the new research just says that basically that blue hydrogen is more polluting than coal now keep in mind the bipartisan infrastructure infrastructure bill includes $8 billion to develop what they call clean hydrogen, and the idea is there would be a creation of four regional hubs. To quote Professor Howard of Cornell University, quote, blue hydrogen is a nice marketing tool that the oil and gas industry is keen to push, but it's far from carbon-free. I don't think we should be spending our funds this way on these sort of false solutions, end quote. So the research we're talking about was just published in the journal, we said earlier in the show, a uh, called Energy Science and Engineering. And it calls the scam out again, but this time with real data. And it found that the carbon footprint to create blue hydrogen is more than 20% larger than if they use natural gas or coal directly for heat. And that the carbon footprint to create blue hydrogen is about 60% greater than using diesel for heat. But the fossil fuel industry loves blue hydrogen, why? They push for it. Um, The scientists have warned this product is not the same as what they call gray hydrogen, which is um, derived from methane production, or green hydrogen, which is viewed as an important fuel for future energy transition, end quote. And the green hydrogen really has some promise. But here's a quote from the researchers. Professors, um, I'm sorry, off my place again, folks. Professor Robert Howarth and Professor Mark Jacobson from Stanford University. So Howard is with Cornell, Jacobson's from Stanford. Quote, "Um, an ecologically friendly green hydrogen does exist, but it remains a small sector and it has not been commercially realized. Green hydrogen is achieved when water goes through electrolysis with electricity supplied by solar, wind, or hydroelectric power, and the water is separated into hydrogen and oxygen. And that's from Robert Holworth at Cornell University. He co-authored this study, How Green is Blue Hydrogen, with Professor Mark Jacobson at Stanford University. And... They went on to say, quote, the best hydrogen, the green hydrogen, derived from electrolysis, if used wisely and efficiently, can be that path to a sustainable future. Blue hydrogen is totally different. Now, note that last statement, blue hydrogen is totally different. Why? Well, here's why. Methane. Methane is a dangerous greenhouse gas that can and has sped up the melting of the global ice sheet. The process to produce blue hydrogen starts with, they convert methane the hydrogen and carbon dioxide. It uses heat, steam, and pressure, or gray hydrogen, that goes further to capture some of the carbon dioxide. The byproduct carbon dioxide and other impurities are sequestered, in other words, scooped up, and voila, you have blue hydrogen. That's according to the U.S. Department of Energy. And it sounds benign enough, but it's not. The next piece published by The Guardian explains it in further depth. Um, so climate advocates have called out the bipartisan infrastructure bill, including the fraud known as blue hydrogen, okay? And the Congressional Progressive Caucus has claimed they won't support a bipartisan bill without a bold reconciliation bill that with much stronger climate measures. Um, to quote the Progressive Caucus, quote, blue hydrogen has large climactic consequences. We see no way that blue hydrogen can be considered green, end quote, and it's not. Uh, from the from the Guardian. This is written by Oliver Millman. The um, headline is infrastructure bill includes $8 billion to develop clean hydrogen, but study finds large emissions from production of blue, hot, blue, blue hydrogen, excuse me. Now, President Biden's really backed this blue hydrogen thing. So, you know, we know the bipartisan plan has $8 billion to develop this clean hydrogen. And that, what they would do is there would be four new regional hubs that would be creating this. But according to the Cornell study, blue hydrogen is anything but clean or green. The only thing green about blue hydrogen is the greenwashing. That and the Benjamins. So am I accusing the politicians in both parties of accepting legal bribes? Yes, I am. So the White House you know, claims that this bill advances Biden's climate agenda. And the people pushing hydrogen have also claimed it's a low-emissions alternative to fuel, shipping, trucking, aviation, even home heating. But that Pesky-Cornell study found that blue hydrogen produces surprisingly large emissions. So let's look at it. Better definition of how blue hydrogen is dangerous. Blue hydrogen This is a more in-depth explanation. It's made by splitting gas into hydrogen and carbon dioxide. And then, here's the tricky part The big fossil fuel doesn't want you to know. Capturing and storing the CO2 to ensure it doesn't further heat the planet. Process has a lot of problems, including what they call the incidental release of methane. Why methane? Why is it important? Well, methane is a very strong greenhouse gas. And methane also uses a huge amount of energy in order to separate and store the CO2. And then some CO2 escapes anyway. So what all this means is that when you're producing this blue hydrogen, you're actually creating 20% more greenhouse gases than coal. Keep in mind, coal is considered up till now to be the dirtiest of fossil fuels when burned for heating. And this blue hydrogen also is estimated to produce 60% more greenhouse gases, than we said before, than burning diesel. Again, this is coming from this study. Now, keep in mind, this study is the only that I know of, the only peer-reviewed study that's been published on carbon capture and blue hydrogen. All these things that the industry's pushing, they might have conducted studies that, that fossil fuel paid for it, but they're not peer-reviewed. That's the difference. Peer-reviewed is honest science. Okay, these these professors aren't getting paid extra. They're not taking bribes to give industry the the data that industry wants. Okay, in short, these professors are not falsifying, falsifying data to meet the needs of the fossil fuel industry. All right, so blue hydrogen is being pushed by the industry group. Uh, by an industry group named the Hydrogen Council. Wow, that's original, isn't it? Again, sarcasm. The Hydrogen Council has as its members, guess who? BP, in other words, British Petroleum, Total, and Shell. Okay. Gas companies in the U.S. are already, get this, to add further insult to injury, gas companies in the U.S., they're already in production with blue hydrogen even though the fact is the study claimed that it is a false solution. And that is according to documentation in a Reuters article. So they're not only producing hydrogen, um, they're testing its viability in existing gas pipelines, and there's climate uh, environmentalists that are saying this really is a, a sneaky way to entrench fossil fuel infrastructure. Okay? Keep in mind, why was this not discussed in the mainstream read corporate media for obvious reasons? This is important. All right? The governor of New York, Cuomo, what he did was horrible, but it didn't warrant all that coverage. This is the survival of the planet. And you might have heard them say, oh, carbon capture, it's wonderful. It's not. It's a fraud. And so is blue hydrogen. And yet... Billions of dollars are in the bipartisan infrastructure bill for those frauds. So, you know, we're looking at a time when the world, according to the IPCC report, has to move to net zero emissions, and yet we're not. And in my opinion, oh, it's green, as in Benjamins. It's all about the Benjamins, whether it's campaign contributions to corrupt politicians, even though technically legal or lobbying jobs in the future, or just, you know, insider trading of stock options. But it's all about the vengeance. This isn't about saving the planet. Nothing honest about it. Now, some are making excuses for hydrogen. Uh, A man named Mike Fowler, Director of Advanced Energy Technology Research at the Clean Air Task Force, He claims that hydrogen is not a panacea, quote, or a silver bullet, but it appears to be critical for decarbonization of hard to electrify sectors such as long-haul, heavy trucking, international marine shipping, and some parts of heavy industry, unquote. As I said before, this is a form of truly, there is a form of truly green hydrogen that's produced from water and uses only renewable energy in its creation. But this option wasn't really chosen for the funding in the infrastructure bill. And you know why. Because how did Joe Manchin make a lot of his money? Some of it came from fossil fuels. Some of it came from hotels. This is that conflict of interest. We can't have honest legislation until we end this system of legalized bribery, which we call campaign contributions. I'm sorry. I'm really on a tangent today on this one. As I read this stuff, I got angrier and angrier because it's right there. In fact, in my opinion, blue hydrogen is just a big handout to the fossil fuel industry. It's another fossil fuel subsidy that allows the fossil fuel industry to be even more entrenched and nothing more. Now, somebody named Carol Muffet is the chief executive of the Center for International Environmental Law, also explained, quote, We look at that bill and see massive giveaways to fossil fuel infrastructure that is incompatible with serious climate action. Congress went out of its way to not specify green hydrogen, and so this funding just helps prop up the fossil fuel industry. The potential of these technologies is being routinely overstated, even as the impacts are being understated. Okay, end quote. Muffet is calling out uh, the corporate media a- as propagandists, because that's what they are. There's different hydrogens. Green is good. Gray is so-so. Blue is bad. And keep in mind, the latest report from the IPCC, it's dire. And what does the bipartisan committee give us? More taxpayer subsidies for big fossil fuel. Again, how's that bipartisanship working for you? Again, the latest IPCC report warned of irreversible impacts if we don't drastically cut our emissions. And some of the emissions are identified as methane. Methane is produced from oil and grass drilling and animal agriculture, and it, is a, and it is a huge contributor to current global heating. And this is as documented by the BBC. Methane is short-lived, but it's powerful. And if it was cut in half just this decade, it's estimated it would shave 0.3 degrees centigrade off the increase in global temperature by 2040. So why is this president and corporate Dems and GOP pushing the fraud of blue hydrogen, which produces more methane? One of the reasons the Arctic ice sheet is melting so much more and you have fires in Siberia is because of methane. It increases global warming at an exponential rate. So, you know, once again, Um, We need the Green New Deal. All right, we just do. AOC, Senator Markey, they are right. All right, we have to have an honest Green New Deal built on honest research, research that is not funded by the fossil fuel industry. Research is not compromised by any industry, but is purely done in academia with no conflict of interest now there's another piece uh, which explains how the fossil fuel industry is featuring assumptions about the viability of blue hydrogen assumptions which range from silly to optimistic to downright criminal and the assumptions surrounding blue hydrogen's viability when you consider the methane component they're criminal there's been no peer-reviewed studies published on this problematic issue you can't call a research study legitimate until it's fully peer reviewed, outside the scope of corporate and business interests. So let's look at this. This is news from IPE.com. Uh, the writer is Susanna Rust. And the headline is, Blue Hydrogen Appears Difficult to Justify on Climate Ground Study. Again, it's the same study carried out by Professor Robert Howarth and Professor Mark Jacobson of Cornell and Stanford Universities, respectively. Um, and according to this, they said also um, that this study is quote the first effort in a pe- the study is quote the first effort in a peer reviewed paper to examine the life cycle greenhouse gas emissions of blue hydrogen, accounting for emissions of both carbon dioxide and unburned fugitive methane end quote according to the authors. And according to the researchers, to date. No peer-reviewed analysis has considered methane emissions associated with producing the natural gas needed to generate blue hydrogen, although methane is a powerful greenhouse gas. Okay, so the authors are calling out the industry and the politicians, Democrat and Republican alike, and saying, carbon capture, it it hasn't been fully developed. It's, It's not ready for use at a large scale at all. It's unproven. And blue hydrogen is only going to put more carbon into the atmosphere. Okay? It just is. And it's going to produce more methane. Methane is eventually going to escape. So the reason why the methane thing is really dangerous, both the carbon dioxide, the methane, all of that in blue hydrogen, Howard and Jacobson explained in their study that, quote, our analysis assumes that captured carbon dioxide can be stored indefinitely. Okay? They went on to say that that's an optimistic and unproven assumption. The authors also said, even if true, though, the use of blue hydrogen appears difficult to justify on climate grounds. They added, quote, society needs to move away from all fossil fuels as quickly as possible as the truly green hydrogen produced by electrolysis driven by renewable electricity can play a role. They went on to say, quote, blue hydrogen, though, provides no benefit, end quote. What part of blue hydrogen provides no benefit does the president not hear? As well as the alleged Democrats on that bipartisan committee. Does he not want his grandchildren to have a livable planet? So there's another group called Jade Cove Partners. And they, comp- they compare, they, the, their headline is, Hydrogen is Big Oil's Last Grand Scam. Wow. Now, this is a long article, and I'm not going to go through all of it. But what they're saying is, we want to go to a low-carbon energy system. We can transition to that if we electrify everything. Okay? Electrical energy Can be used to perform most of our needs um, that a technological world would require. (coughs) Excuse me. Electricity can be produced many ways using wind turbines, solar panels, hydroelectric dams, and emits, on average, less CO2 than methane or coal. Low-carbon electricity can also be stored in batteries, according to this paper or in what they call pumped hydro to operate electronics, vehicles, houses, communities, industries, and entire countries. Keep in mind, when the president is talking about hydrogen cars, electric cars, I don't know if he really understands the difference between the green hydrogen and the blue hydrogen. The green hydrogen is produced using renewables. Blue hydrogen is produced using dirty fossil fuel, And then even though they claim through, they they use the blue hydrogen, they use carbon capture, and they take the CO2 and whatever methane it produces, and they're going to just, they're going to pump it underground. But again, carbon capture hasn't been proven to be effective yet. So they're banking on technologies that are either unproven or just proven to be an outright scam. And it doesn't have to be this way. But until we have an honest election cycle, until we get rid of legalized bribery in the form of campaign contributions, this isn't going to happen. That's the problem. You know, so this is, we can't electrify everything. We can use green hydrogen, um, solar power, wind, batteries, electric vehicles, not blue hydrogen, not carbon capture. Use the technologies that we know work And you can develop the others later, but, you know, using carbon capture that is unproven, using blue hydrogen, which will release more pollutants, actually, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a cancer. Seriously. So this piece goes on. Um, They explain that, you know, hydrogen is similar to methane. And they both are gases that release heat when react when they react with oxygen. And because hydrogen is similar to methane, it lets these oil companies, if you will, repurpose some of their petrochemical infrastructure for a new energy economy. So basically what they're doing is these oil companies, the fossil fuel industry knows that their scientists have to know that blue hydrogen and carbon capture isn't going to work. but they like it because they'll get government money, taxpayer subsidies, to repurpose and refit existing petrochemical infrastructure, and they'll keep profiteering while still not cleaning up the environment. That's what's happening. Now, there, this, this particular article also lists quite a few technical issues and problems with using hydrogen as an energy technology, okay? And they just say the, there are a number of technical issues with the various visions of using hydrogen as, as energy technology, and they include the following. Number one, methane leakage. This is a big problem, and it happens with methane extraction and transport. And they explain that when you use blue hydrogen, the blue hydrogen scheme, that's what they call it, um, that particular problem of methane leakage isn't included in the plan drawn up by fossil fuel companies. And they say, for context, quote, for context, standards for methane emissions from U.S. infrastructure are so bad that France recently rejected more American fracked methane from being sold in Europe. So there's a connection to the fracking industry as well. So they're, they're still trying to recycle their dirty energy And at the same time, charge the American taxpayer for free money, you know, basically subsidies, to keep polluting. Another problem is that hydrogen can't be substituted into parts of the methane pipeline network at really high concentrations. I'm going to read this statement exactly as written. Quote, hydrogen cannot be substituted into parts of the methane pipeline network at high concentrations because it embrittles the materials that those pipes are made of. Meaning the pipes become weak. At some point, they're going to break and explode, and you're going to have all this methane released into the atmosphere. And because of that, significant infrastructure would need to be built to move the hydrogen around. Um, So once again, this is another problem. Medium and high-pressure pipes would have to be replaced. Uh, Every compressor in the network would need to be replaced, um, and in part because the energy consumption just to move this hydrogen would increase by a factor of three. So this is not helping. Number three, (coughs) I could quote directly from this article, (coughs) excuse me, quote, blue hydrogen sounds good in theory, but there is a problem. You're never going to guess what they said next. It doesn't exist. I'll say it again. Quote, blue hydrogen sounds good in theory, but there's a problem. It doesn't exist. And what they're saying is because, more specifically, that carbon capture and storage right now, as I said before, doesn't meaningfully exist on the commercial scale needed. Okay? So if you don't have the carbon capture to go along with the blue hydrogen, you can't use it. So, and they go on to say that if carbon capture storage is viable, or it can become viable, then governments should mandate, quote, all large CO2 streams, like already existing power plants and chemical operations, to use carbon capture and storage. And that would solve the the climate crisis, but fossil fuel companies don't promote mandatory CCS, quote, because they know it would make the use of their hydrocarbon products too expensive, thus destroying their business, and get this, and quote, accelerating the transition to non-hydrocarbon energy technologies, thus destroying the So there you go, okay? They don't want mandatory CCS because it would make their products too expensive, and it would accelerate the transition to non-hydrocarbon energy technologies. Again, this is so so vile, it's all about the Benjamins. The other thing, another problem is that conventional carbon capture and storage in this what they call blue hydrogen context is estimated to only capture upwards of 70% of the CO2. And then the rest of the CO2 would just be emitted into the atmosphere. The only way that would change is if you had more sophisticated processes like what they call oxyfuel autothermal reforming. I'm not sure what that is. Okay. So it goes on and on and on. They go on to say that, um, you know, energy is needed to convert water and methane into hydrogen. That's one. And energy could be converted into electricity and delivered directly to an automobile instead of passing through what they call an intermediate hydrogen chemical, losing energy with each conversion. Okay? So you could convert water or methane into hydrogen. You don't need the intermediate hydrogen um, chemical. So... What they say, example three. There's three times more wind turbines that would need to be built in order to power a fuel cell vehicle th- fleet, compared to an electric vehicle fleet, just based on how much energy is lost along the way from wind to wheel. Okay. Now that got me a little confused there. I, I apologize. That's. This is getting pretty technical. Um, Let's move on, okay? So, based on the study, this article goes on to say that the oil and gas companies really, they know the drawbacks of using hydrogen, especially for transport and other new energy system uses. And they go on to say, quote, based on technical and commercial realities, we believe that their messaging on hydrogen should be viewed as disinformation, end quote. I agree. They go on to say, more precisely, it is a bait-and-switch scam, end quote. So people think of green hydrogen when they think of hydrogen. And fossil fuel companies are suggesting that the hydrogen economy that they keep pushing could start by running on what they call brown hydrogen, and then switch later to blue hydrogen, and then to the, the only real viable one, which is the green hydrogen, because that runs on renewables. And then use carbon capture storage as the technology, the electro electrolyzer technology. Here's the thing, okay? This is getting very technical, but what this what this article basically says is very simply quote They, in other words, fossil fuel industry know it will always be cheaper to simply dump the CO2 in the atmosphere and capture it. So voters voting for this, investors, they might think that they're getting the good green hydrogen that's funded by COVID-19 relief packages in the infrastructure bill. And they might think that, you know, the green green hydrogen, again, is what is uh, made with renewables. But they're actually being propositioned with polluting blue hydrogen and will most likely end up with more brown hydrogen. In other words, the bipartisan bill contains Hydrogen technology, that is the dirty hydrogen. As far as I can tell from this research I've done, the only clean or green hydrogen is green hydrogen, and that is made with renewables. This blue hydrogen, it's a fraud. just is. Okay? Um, And this article goes on to say that most fossil fuel companies they don't care about mitigating climate change. They just want their money. And this is, according to this article, Big Oil's hydrogen scam. And it is. So let's move on here, okay? Now, this article also gives some other, some other tips. They say if fossil fuel companies want to survive, they have to create low-carbon, long-term shareholder value. And they list some ways of doing it. One, number one, they say stop wasting time and energy trying to scam the European Union and other governments, quote, into using COVID-19 relief for extending the life of methane assets, end quote. <clears throat> Two, seed leadership in energy technology to batteries and renewable energy. Become, I'm just reading straight from this, become chemical companies. Double down on green hydrogen for chemical processing. Find sensible new markets for hydrogen as a chemical reagent, not an energy commodity. Hydrogen, like all chemical products, quote, and intermediaries must be decarbonized and green hydrogen is the best way to do it as prices of wind and solar continue to drop, end quote. Three, use drilling and well completion technical expertise to scale up geothermal energy and other non-hydrocarbon industries which need to surgically maneuver underground fluids. Four, be, quote, be the limited partner to the energy transition. After oil prices fully recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, low-cost oil and gas companies will be profitable uh, for a couple more years until demand starts to drop because of higher electric vehicle market penetration. That profit could be used to passively invest in new energy system technologies and projects such as electricity, which emits less than 40 grams CO2 kilowatt-hour emissions and energy storage projects like battery farms, end quote. So we go on. Who benefits from, this is from ReCharge, that's the name of the the actual publication. Who benefits the most from blue hydrogen is the headline, written by Andrew Lee. Well, he just goes on to say basically that blue hydrogen has no role in a carbon-free future, Um, and I agree, end quote. And again, keep in mind the United Nations has declared code red for humanity regarding the climate crisis. So I know I talked a lot at you guys tonight and some repetition because, again, this it's complex. There's a lot of tech in there, and I apologize if I kind of stumbled a little bit. I did the best I could. So in conclusion... We're drowning in greenwash lies. And the public relations firms touting these unsubstantiated and underdeveloped technologies get away with this misinformation in large part due to three major facts. Fact number one, and this is shameful, far too many Americans are scientifically illiterate. And because far too many white males are also far too arrogant to admit they don't know something, We have the perfect storm for the present barrage of lies we're subjected to from politicians, corporate media personalities, and the science tech industry themselves. Keep in mind, science and tech corporate chieftains make a point of hiring the slickest public relations firms in existence in order to craft scenarios that look plausible but are actually just a pack of lies buried under equally slick commercials and what can only be called semantic hair-splitting by, <clears throat> by corporate attorneys who review the ads before they air. Fact number two, our corporate-run news media is worse than a bad joke. We have celebrities posing as journalists. They read scripts off of teleprompters that were written largely by, again, public relations firms. This is what's been dubbed canned news. It's called canned news because it was pre-prepared in tweaked. By those same public relations firms it's not news it's not news as it's happening can news has a spin that the client demands so forget about journalistic integrity think about it. how many broadcasters have even mentioned blue hydrogen how many offered any critique regarding the blue hydrogen or carbon capture beyond the selling points offered by politicians Whether it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump, the selling points are all that counts, and actual documented and verified facts are sacrificed on the altars of political expediency and campaign contributions. You know, I hate to admit it, but for the first time in his rotten life, Donald Trump actually told the truth, in part, when he called out fake news using that, that childish moniker. Of course, Trump calls anything fake when it defies his infantile demands. But corporate media, yes, it is propagandistic. You know, and I think it started when basically uh, the business segment of media took over the newsrooms, and those business people said, "News is what I say it is," and so journalistic journalistic integrity and truth died that day. In fact, number three. I can't begin to emphasize this enough. Our political system is thoroughly corrupt to a level not seen since the old Soviet era or our own Tammany Hall. In fact, the corruption is so systematized and cynically accepted by the public. that It's rare any politician's ever held accountable. That is unless the Corrupt Act has to do with sex. It must be sex cells. The news media, or what passes for it, has no interest in exposing the technically legal system of political bribery that we call political contributions, and this is what fuels all of this corruption. The media won't even question the system. give you an example. Governor Cuomo of New York was forced to resign, and rightfully so. But where was the media outrage when it came to both parties pushing a bipartisan infrastructure plan which paid for items on the wish list by maintaining the tax write-offs for billionaires and, more importantly, by privatizing our public infrastructure. Where was the outrage when politicians of both parties conveniently omitted the fact that tech such as carbon capture and blue hydrogen are not only unproven, but not even fully developed? In short, blue hydrogen and carbon capture and, and storage are just scams. They're engineered by the fossil fuel industry in order to keep the taxpayers' subsidies coming. Blue hydrogen is a bait-and-switch scam, and every lawmaker that went along with this crime against the planet, this crime against our children and grandchildren, must be held criminally accountable. As the UN declared with the latest IPCC report, this is now code red for humanity. It's no longer time for crooked politics as usual. But until we end this legally systemic bribery that we call campaign contribution, there will be no accountability. None. And that's our show for tonight. Good night and God bless.